Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Chris Apple. What's up? And Brett Freeman. Hey guys. Alright, we have a very special episode for you guys this week. We're going to be talking about our favorite control mechanics, just control in general, everything like that. Before we get into all that fun stuff though, Chris, how do you feel? <laughs> um... I mean, we talked about precog a lot last episode, so I, I I'm disappointed. I'll leave it at that. Like precog and snapshot, you, you well, guys knew. What's your beef with snapshot? Uh, both are wildly undercosted. It's it's so confusing. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's how I'm feeling. All right. Um, so that's how Chris is feeling this week. New segment. Uh, next, though, we're going to go into Brett. Why don't you take this one since uh, you were at the Bruton, uh hyperspace trial today, and you have a very special shout-out. I do. So my my uh, my best friend in X-Wing, Paul Aglialoro, actually took this one down um, running the double fire spray list, uh, Kashka and Boba, the bunch of bombs and re-rolls and everything like that. Um and it was a really fun event. There were 42 people, um, including, uh, you know, the infamous Duncan Howard, um, who ended up knocking me out in the top eight. Um, but uh, Paul went four and two. I went four and two. A big shout out to Paul uh, Bryans from Liberty Squadron, who also went four and two. Finished in seventh place, actually, and had to drop. So, uh, that's actually what got Paul into the cut. And he, he made it very clear on the drive home today. He wanted me to to put that in there that he knows he snuck into the cut uh, and just was lucky enough to, to, to take it down Sam page style. Um, but uh, it was a really fun event and uh, I'm just so excited for him that uh, he was able to get a, a win for Liberty squadron here. Nice. We uh, returned the favor from him coming down, Sam coming down and uh, taking, sneaking into the cut at the top deck and Paul can do it there. Great. Right. <laughs> so that's two, that's two final tables for Paul. Yeah. Um, at trials, yes. it's pretty cool. And that's, I think that's four total for for Lib- Liberty Squadron, right? With uh, I so. yeah, you you and I both got one, and Paul has two. Um, so yeah, that's pretty pretty good out of I think only four trials <laughs> that we've gone to. One day I'll get there. It's okay, guys. Actually, okay. there was the uh, the the Maryland one. I guess you guys, Glenn Burney, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That Jonathan Our... couldn't go back to. I think. No, he he was there. Exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, so four out of five is good. <laughs> all right. Do so we want to talk about some of these other hyperspace trials? Uh, Chris, did you collect any cool data for this? Uh, not not too much, really. I, I, the only two things I wanted to kind of throw out there, um, there was uh, a Sunfac plus six vultures uh, list that won a really small trial already, which um, I, I don't know. I'm not too surprised, but that, that was fast. <laughs> and uh, there's a really cool Ray build that won went undefeated in Swiss uh, at a 64-person trial. Um, I Well, cool in quotes, maybe, I don't know, but it, Ray did well, and that should you know make some people happy, right? So it's Corsella, Rose Tycho, and I think Stealth Device was on there with Poe. I won't read the whole list, but you can check that trial out. Um, it's on List Forgers now. Cool. Um, all right, so that will do it for the hyperspace trials this weekend. I think it's a little weird because like, we're in this weird... Uh, I mean, the stuff came out Friday, and some... Places had the uh, they were available at some trials, some weren't. So it's kind of like hard to tell 
if this is just everyone guessing or if it, some of these hyperspace travels even matter. Um, yeah, there were a decent before. number that had the Wave 5 active, actually. Um, yeah. but, like, I think there were maybe, there were at least three, maybe more than that. Um, so we'll probably get more of that together sure. you know, soon. But... And just in case people didn't see, they, they changed the rules now, so when a new wave drops for uh, hyperspace or primes going forward, I guess, it is going to have the 11-day waiting period that um, premiere events have now, just in case people didn't hear about that. Right. Um, I think that was a post that Matt Holland um, talk, or commented on. I don't know. He said that it is going into effect, so I think we need to wait to see. The tournament regulations, I'm, I'm sure that's like foreshadowing of a updated tournament regulations in the works. So hopefully we get that soon. Um, but yeah, definitely it makes sense, especially if things are coming out on Friday that give people a little bit of time to actually pick them up. Um, so that makes sense. Cool. So let's move on to our control topic this week. We went and gathered a lot of data on almost all control elements of the game. Uh, firstly, I would kind of want to talk about this. Uh, with every kind of card game, with every kind of competitive board game, uh, miniatures games, anything like that, there's always some kind of level of control mechanics. Uh, I know some people who probably are listening that have ever played Magic, you know exactly what it feels like when your deck gets milled and you lose the game. It does not feel good. Um, same thing with Hearthstone, stuff like that, where, like, people can't, you know, you can't play cards or anything, or, um, no matter what you put out on the field, you just can't play the game. And that's kind of what we're getting at the same point, is that we're, this topic is supposed to be about how can you take playing the game away from your opponent, or even vice versa, when you see this stuff on the table, what can you do about it? And instead of just being like shocked Pikachu meme, this is how you can like actually like think about it. And when you see this stuff across the table, how you can counteract it. Um, so let's jump right in. You know, Chris, did you read this about your opinions? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so I, I thought before we go through the various types of control that we should start with like, you know, the ones that aren't card related. Um, were like the most basic versions of it. So we've talked about sure. this a lot in the past. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but just just really simple things like, you know, control in X-Wing, I feel like is a somewhat fuzzy topic because, you know, you have a, a movement-based game where you, you kind of have that whole space where, you know, we're deciding where we're going to position our ships and there's it's not a card game. And, and, and pure and simple, right? Like, there's more to it than that. So what that means is, like, control in X-Wing can involve blocking. It can involve all of the kind of positioning topics that we've talked about in the past. Um, it, you know, it, it definitely involves use of obstacles um, to kind of basically control your opponent's options, right? Uh, it's not strictly speaking like a tractor token, which we'll get into. Um, but it's doing something similar where you're you're trying to, you know, restrict your opponent's movement options or um, in the case of debris, you're you're doing that by, you know, maybe maybe kind of changing the way a Jedi might approach a board state. Um, and blocking, of course, denying denying mods, all that. It's kind of self-explanatory. But the, the reason I'm bringing it up is that, you know, the 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 simplest control mechanics in X Wing are available to all lists and to all factions at all times. 
Um, so they're kind of like core parts of gameplay. Uh, so which is like, you know, we I think we always kind of try and categorize lists into one type of list where it's an alpha strike or it's an aces list. Um, but they're all kind of trying to achieve different things. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, Andrew, if you have some comments on that, but no, uh, I definitely it's agree. not card-based. Right, there isn't, it's not 100% card-based. I, I think back from, like let's say, like first edition, like Control almost seemed like its own like archetype. Like that you could bring something like um, like Control Bots or something like that, and, and it really was its own um, like archetype, where I think we've kind of like evolved a little bit from that, where the developers don't want that negative play experience but they still think that it's important for the game to have that level in the game um right with that being and we may be we may be evolving a little bit away from some of that um but but yeah i'm with you like like it's there's control elements in 2.0 certainly feel lighter right that may be changing with wave five a tiny bit right but outside of the quad jumpers and a couple other things it hasn't been, you know, as, as just like, and, and Sloan, of course, right? Um, th- there have been some glaring examples of things that are sort of like more control than we would expect. Um, but, but, but without getting into that, though, like just just the basics of rocks and blocks and like, you know, high ship count lists being control lists. That's that's where I just wanted to start, right? That it's, it's, it's good because FFG can always sort of lean on that as counterplay to where they don't need to introduce a card to be the control counter. Right. Um, yeah. And I think we'll get into it a little bit, but I think there are like, so on the other end of it, there are the cards that do help you involve that mechanic to the game where, so yeah. like something with sense or inform it will help those blocks or something along those lines. Yeah, totally. Or, or, you know, even ship bases play into this, right? Like, um, a medium base U-wing is 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 much more of a control piece, you know, than than a medium base Reaper might be in some cases, right? It, just because of the zero stop, um, you know, with Leia combination, right? Like right. that that allows you to do consecutive turn blocks that might be a little bit harder to execute. Um, so so just, but I mean, I guess like transitioning from that, one thing to say is that a lot of those kind of core control mechanics that every faction might lean on for counterplay. Um, are very heavily impacted by whatever nonsense is printed on, you know, hypermobile cards or, you know, pre-movement positioning and stuff like that. So that's when you need to start looking at everything else that you're describing, right? Right. Where it, it goes above that core and it's like, well, hold on, a Jedi doesn't really care about an obstacle, a certain type of obstacle. Maybe I need some some other card that's going to be that control mechanism for a lower initiative thing. Um it's just yeah, that's that's all I kind of wanted no, to say. To start. It's a good point that you bring that up about like Leia um, being a control piece because I, I, Jonathan, there's been a number of games that I've played against you that you literally set up this crazy net of blockers, and it's just kind of like it's almost like you think out the entire dial of your opponent, and you say, okay, you know, he can end up here, 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 and here, and I'm going to put my ships in the most likely spots that he's going to end up in. Um, So that that does make perfect sense. Jonathan, do you want to touch up on any of that? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I agree that... So a lot of times we think of control as something 
we're inflicting upon other people. Like I'm giving you tokens, I'm giving you like ions or jams or tractors or whatever, but it is also just taking up space on the board, denying space, taking away options and choices from your opponent. And um, yeah, so sometimes just parking your ships, like moving first and parking your ships where your opponent might want to be um, is a form of, we often don't think of it as control, but I agree it's a, it's um, that it is a form of control just to, so on the one hand, sometimes you want to give your opponent lots of difficult decisions because the more difficult decisions they make, the more likely they are to make a mistake. So say with like targeting priority, but on the other hand, control is about taking away their choices so that they don't have anything good. They don't have good options to do. Right. And so like, like uh, I was, I was saying the Reaper versus the Ewing as a kind of a control comparison. The Reaper is a control piece at different moments than the Ewing is right. Cause it can sort of like reach out and block um, you know, in a way that the Ewing might not be able to. But then you, you start to look at completely different archetypes, like not even things that are heavily relying on blocks. Like aces are actually control pieces from a certain perspective. I don't want to stretch the word too much, but a lot of aces win condition involves sort of sort of this kind of option control. You know, right? I, Where, when I started then, filling up these notes, I was like, do I add that in? And I was just like, ah. I don't think I should because I, I kind of, yep. yeah. No, and we don't have to spend too much time on it, but I do think it's at least interesting to mention. Right. Because I think a lot of people think about ace play as, you know, just purely like, oh, I'm going to arc dodge and watch how things move. But a lot of the higher level ace play involves kind of, it, it's, 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 so, it's kind of target priority control, but more than anything, it's just, you know, it's really about it controlling, um, you know, the, the, the area of the board that maybe the lower initiative opponent is going to try and, you know, manage. So when you have, I'm, I'm explaining this poorly, but if you have three aces and they're all attacking from multiple angles and they all have their own escape routes, you're very much controlling every single engagement that takes place. Right. And, you know, your opponent might not really understand what's happening, but the reality is you're pretty much, you're, you're pretty much telling them, you know, you're basically deciding for them where they can um, put damage out, right? And that's that's a, it's it's a very fuzzy version of so we can move past it, but it's aces are sort of doing this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just to get kind of transition out of the general stuff. Um, one thing, I, the other thing I did want to say is that as players, we usually accept control mechanics that either we're completely unaware of that they're happening to us, right? <laughs> So like that, that often happens, but we accept those um, or it, they have very clear kind of setup conditions um, or potentially complex ones. So if it takes a lot of setup for someone to get the kind of no wait, I got you moment where they kind of pause and they say like, no, you don't get to keep moving your ship, whatever. I made this work. That's the control moment. Um, as long as there's like a set of criteria to get there, we usually as a community, we don't complain about it. Um, it's when it's like, you know, very simple to apply and doesn't have reliable kind of counterplay without, without specific cards that the community usually freaks out. Um, so that this seems like something FFG has been really conscious about, right? Like even in wave five, we see foresight and snapshot. Like, I don't know if those are developed at different times, but they're two very different cards and very different versions of control. One with a serious condition, one without really any. Right. 
Um, all right, so why don't we get right into that then? Um, so our first mechanic is going to be talking about jam mechanics. Uh, so jamming is basically when you get jammed, you have to basically remove a token of some sort or you can't even use a token of some sort. That's what we're going to kind of get into. So with jamming, that's like I said, that's our first topic. Um, so it's not necessarily the jam action. So when Chris is talking about snapshot and foresight, part of this mechanic is that you're getting this shot off at the boat after the movement um, of your ship and you're not going to have any tokens so there is basically no way to defend against it like the i mean granted you can't modify your dice uh with snapshot and foresight you have to um you can modify it a little bit but i mean it's at the cost of a uh force token um so it's basically getting free attacks on the enemy ship without them having any kind of tokens um when you throw juke into the mix you get a lot more interaction with this. So right now the A-Wings and the Nantex can do this combo where they take Snapshot and Juke, and then it just kind of feels bad. Like you're sitting there without any tokens, and there's not much you can do about it, because if you are rolling evade results, then just natural evade results, there's a chance that they're getting juked, and you don't have the tokens to go with it. Um, so, get Yeah, so... so um... You know, I guess we're kind of leading off a little bit with with snapshot and, and juke here, but kind of talking about the counterplay. Um, you know, with with snapshot, you're looking at a range two band that could be layered by multiple ships. So, you know, the counterplay is really about trying to avoid landing wherever that's going to be, right? Right. Um, so that that one's actually it could be interesting depending on FFG's you know built up that range band. Foresight's is definitely interesting the range two one is like alarming at best um but th your comment about uh you know these things kind of functioning like jam they they could be forcing you know, we talked about last episode uh, it maybe is less oppressive to force aces but it is kind of like removing a calculate right from a force user if they have to defend problem is they have to roll hits <laughs> right. you know it's a, it's there's like there's math involved before that happens um, no, definitely. But it's a cool way to think about jamming beam, right? Or like just jam tokens in general because they just always work. They always deny your opponent a token without an attack having happened. Right. Um, one of the other things about... Uh, so Snapshot, like, if you remember back from first edition, it worked really well on low initiative A-Wings. Um, so when you say something along the lines of, like, you have to counterplay it by understanding where that range 2 band is going to be, a lot of times you might not even know where it's going to be. When yeah. you're dialing in your maneuver, because more than likely, I think that these things will be on lower initiative ships and they get to move. So it might be harder to kind of predict. I mean, granted, you could always. And worst case, they might have sense, right? right? So they might know exactly where you're going. So, you know, you're. That that gets kind of tricky, right? So, but it's. it's there is definitely some element of counterplay, though, right? Like there's, there's on both sides. Yeah. Um, it's just a little bit. You know, maybe in Snapshot's case, a little bit too broad. Uh, but then, like, things like, like Hotshot Gunner, right? Like, that's that's an interesting one that we've seen a lot of. Saw quite a lot of it in 1.0. Um, definitely a control piece, right? Just based on when it's shooting and what the initiative order is. Right, so with Hotshot Gunner, you basically, after you shoot, if after everything's resolved, you have to remove, it's a focus token, or is it a green token? It's a um, green token. It's a green token, right. So... 
I mean, this is a, something on the opposite end that I think really want to kind of be in the high initiative. So, like, something like Han or um, Christ, even Dangar maybe could potentially strip tokens then you know that you can't really save that token for a double modded torp or something along those lines um but it's essentially jamming that green token off of it right i i think sometimes we get you know we might like overly chase this as a, as an option on a ship where you know you could just have another ship that's shooting <laughs> um you know what I mean? Like, like really, even just like high ship count lists almost are are doing something like this. Where if you have eight ships shooting, there's a high chance that a certain number of those, you know, will have be shooting at a target that has no tokens. Right. Um, but this is a way when like a two ship list to sort of simulate that, right? Um, which is which is valuable. Um, I, I think it definitely it, it is a lot stronger if the you know ship count is low because. I mean, if you're relying on one or two ships or, um, like, even three ships and, and you can pinpoint the high-priority ship just that's going to be doing the damage, like, being able to... It, it's it focus or calculate token, just checked it. But um, it, that's huge. On the flip side, there are more things that might be shooting afterwards, right? So there's more opportunity for damage. Sure. Um, but, but, you know, a similar t thing to this, and you've got tons of experience with, with these ships, is the uh, Scum Aggressor. I, you know, the, the scum aggressor that shoots twice, you know, even if the first shot doesn't do damage, um, the, the, they probably, you know, may have spent a token on that first shot. Yeah. So it's kind of built into the ship, but it's it's doing something very similar to right. to that kind of mechanic. It's kind of like hedging against natties. <laughs> right, there's nothing Reverse worse than, yeah, when you're trying to just strip that token for you know the rest of your your squad to shoot and they natty out and then either they're gonna have a token to shoot you and maybe kill you or something so it, it really protects against that uh, you know one of the interesting uh, just kind of going back to the general control elements um i didn't really talk about this much but you know one thing that is inherently control um is is initiative order when it kind of relates to to firing order so you know if, if an ace if, if i'm playing you know an obi-wan versus obi-wan mirror um and for whatever reason like they're not that's a bad example because of force charges let's do a better example it's a soon tier versus uh soon tier mirror and, and you only have a focus token both of them only have focus tokens the one that's shooting first may not spend its focus because it knows it has to defend right that's a kind of a light version of this control Right. Where it's it, it's like I'm actually kind of controlling how you're going to modify your offensive dice because you know almost you shooting shooting first is a little bit like you know a hot gunner mechanic. Um, it's a real it's a stretch to describe it that way, but, but that's the kind of feel that you get from these. No, things. definitely. I mean, you've seen it how many times where you just see the the tokens like a Fenrel will be shooting and like he's got like you know three focus results and is just kind of like i can't spend that token right which is why fearless is so good on him yeah because because you so many times you're like i'm totally saving that focus even if i'm at range one and, right. and get to add things right, right. um but hotshot gunner just kind of dissolves all that absolutely <laughs> so um one of the other so obviously we have jamming beam i don't think i've ever ever seen jamming beam actually ever used um it, only if we were to like maybe they'll print cruise missiles at some point 
right? And there'll be like a target lock requirement there and five dice coming your way. Yeah. And then and then we'll see jamming beam. But yeah. I've had, I've had people try and jam off Vader's target lock before. Um, but that that was literally the only time I've ever seen it happen either. Yeah, I don't I don't know that we need to talk about this one much. Yeah, uh, I think it needs to re- rework uh, completely. I don't, I don't know why they still made it an attack. Um, so let's go on to some more faction specific stuff. So Fenrel in the Sheetapede, he basically can take a stress token to prevent you from spending green tokens. I need to pull up Yasby. Um, which is huge. I, I mean, this was a big thing in first edition that you everyone remembers Ghost Fen, um, that they can't spend tokens to modify any of their dice. And, and again, maybe this is a little bit better in uh, low ship count metas because you can only really use this option once. Also, because he is an I-6, it, it kind of works in his favor that he, he gets to see a lot more um, shooting than than anything else does. Um, I don't think I've really seen him pop up so much in second edition yet. It would be interesting to see. I, I maybe he's still in that list of timeout that FFG has of first edition ships. Uh, but I, at the same time, I think Fen is still a pretty decent, solid choice. It's interesting, I, right? <clears throat> um, go ahead, Jonathan. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say I have never, I haven't seen him in uh, second. I flew him in first edition, but I've never seen him in second edition. And it's important to note he doesn't affect uh, the use of the force. Yes. Um, because they are not tokens; they are charges. Right. Which, which I like. You know, I've talked about force in the past. I think the easiest thing is just to make them tokens. Sure. But that's another story. Um, I, Fenrau, I, I think I agree with you, Andrew, that like if if uh, ship counts were drastically lower, um, you might see a lot more of Fen. Uh, but but just simply the way that force charges work and how prevalent they are, that's that's got to be a major factor. And then the other thing too is that like a lot of the major alpha strike lists have just been kind of tamped down a little bit, right? Like if Squad of Legend really just stuck around at 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 higher percentages for a very long time, right? You know, maybe something like this becomes more relevant. I mean, not that Squad of Legend is gone by any means, right? Like there are red lines soon to your whisper list still. I expect them at Worlds. Um, but there, it's not like every single list you face looks like that. Right. Um, One of the other things is like, so Fen is an I-6. So um, granted, he doesn't have flight assist astromech anymore that helped him out a lot. But you're not really seeing I-6s as much. Like you're still seeing a lot of Vader and you're still seeing Anakin. Um, but, but I think like... He, you're not seeing like so because there's the lack of veteran instincts from first edition into second edition like he's always i6 like there you know you you have that going for him too yeah and uh, you know i don't know how wave five is going to affect things but i do expect to see more um two and three ship lists yeah with you know like a whole bunch of higher ship count stuff on the other end of the spectrum so it did just reprint Fenrau, and um, that new VCX is kind of cool because it has a detachable sheathapede. Um, so I suspect that a lot more people will just be trying it because they can buy it. Um, I know that sounds kind of dumb, but like when something doesn't exist for repurchase, it doesn't get played as much by new players. Um, 
So I, I do wonder if there'll be a little bit more experimentation with things besides AP5 just because of that. Right. Um, so the other Rebels jam mechanic they have is Chopper. We don't have to get really too, um, too deep into it, but it's at the start of the engagement phase. Each ship at range zero games two jam tokens, um, each enemy ship. So Chopper just jams things. Once the bump into things and jam them. Pairs up it's real cool. nice with Zeb. Um, <laughs> can shoot at that range zero band. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, Tavson counter there, isn't it? Yeah. You just smash Chopper <coughs> on it, initiative two, block Tavson, hand out two jam tokens, and then K turn behind him. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, fits all in there somewhere, or even Zeb, you can shoot him. Definitely. Um, so let's move on to Empire. Uh, so, Kagi, how about, you know, you don't really think about that, but I mean, when Kagi can strip the, um, what's it called, tokens, the target lock tokens off of some important pieces to any empire list like that that could be huge like he's just there to soak up damage and he's denying your actions of target locks so i think he's a real strong one um in empire i wouldn't be surprised if i mean granted we're probably are, are we out of a tort meta would you say i well like i i we're we're still in a Jedi target locking meta. Okay. Right? Like, Jedi just are running around still target locking, tar target locking like crazy. Um, you still have, you still have like, Jendin lists with the taps out there. Um, you know, they're all kind of early game target locking. Uh, so it matters. KG, KG, I've seen primarily in, like, Sloan lists or variants on, um, you know, kind of double ace lists. Uh, it makes a it makes a big difference for soon tier in terms of like wh what the no go zones look like when there's no target locks on him. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know another example of something that's is the probes for from vultures. Sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. All of that kind of matters. KG is a really powerful piece. I think like it's it's uh, I'm most familiar with it from running it on a kind of variance of my Sloan list, and it it definitely just messes with people. Like it it, it is. Sometimes people don't react well to it at all. Um, so we will go into Vader Crew next. Uh, so Vader Crew is kind of... Uh, he's not so much a jam token, but I think part of it is, is that you have to strip a token for Vader to work. So it's either you're taking damage or you are stripping a green token. Um, essentially... This is insane. Yeah, it's an i7 jam almost. So I think that's pretty strong in itself because, I mean, just going back to what you were saying, is we're in a um, Jedi target lock meta. If, you know, they're not taking green tokens, they're target locking instead, they could be detrimentally, you know, damaged by this. Brett, you've been flying Jedi. If you see Darth Vader crew, I mean, are you worried about it or are you um, thinking your plan around a, as opposed to target locking or taking green tokens? So I had that come up, I believe, at Nova, and I was taking a lot more focuses uh, than I would have ever taken before because uh, I couldn't take the you know the risk that I was going to get that auto damage. Um, so when I knew that you know Vader was in play, it definitely impacted me. Cool. Um, nice. All right. So the other thing Empire has going for them is ISB slicers. I don't know how this would really kind of. So during the end phase, enemy ships at range one to two cannot remove jam tokens. It's cool, but I mean, unless your list is specifically like revolving around jam, 
I, I don't know. I, I think people are just clearing it. You can you can still kind of run it on on some reapers, right? Because the reapers are able to stay close to everything. Um, but I, we, it's nothing like what it was. Right. Um, it, it's definitely like one of those things where you just invest those points somewhere else in most in most lists. Sure. Um, so let's move on to scum. We got Paylob, Seaver, OT, and Forlom. Basically, so Paylob steals focus tokens, Seaver jams, Old Turox uh, strips all your green tokens at the start of the uh, engagement phase. And then we have Forlom, who Forlom you can take a Ion, is it two Ion tokens? Um, that when your opponent is rolling uh, their green dice, they, you can choose a green token, um, or you can choose a token, and they can't spend that type of token. So we got three pretty similar pilots. I, we know that Paylob's great. We know that Old Terok's great. And we know Seaver's been showing up everywhere. Uh, like, I think these are really kind of like, I know this might be a recurring theme, but Scum's going to be like kind of like the heroes of the control pieces uh, out there. But again, these are these are very strong things that they're just stripping your green tokens out there. Um, we saw I, I saw a lot with Old Tarakan coming out. It's a great counterplay to Perceptive Copilot because it strips all those uh, tokens that they get. Um, Seaver with the Torkoal Swarm, basically stripping that green token before anything else comes out. And then, like, like I said, we, we've seen Payload from the very beginning get-go. Right. So talking a little bit about counterplay, because I think that's where all the interesting stuff is, right? Um like when you when you deal with Paylob, uh, part of what makes Paylob so powerful is you can rotate the arc, right? Just to just to activate the ability. Um, so you know, like like Paylob and Old T, it's about in large part kind of avoiding them, right? Um, especially Old T. Like if you have a Phantom and you see Old Terok on the board, um, that should probably change some of your target priority. The true, same is true for Paylob, because uh, they, they are. They can hunt hunt down very you know specific ships that are dependent on tokens, um, and Seavor is you know a little bit interesting, right? Because part of the counterplay with Seavor, you can just destroy Seavor, right? You just point at him. You just point um, at him and he blows up. Yeah, but the trouble is, if you've done that, you've probably taken about ten or fifteen minutes to do it. Um, so there might be some other pieces on the board that will will make you pay for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, in Seavor combos, like all three of these can combo with different upgrade cards too, right? So like, like Paylob sometimes has crew and and bombs and delayed fuses on there. Um, can be really powerful, like as you add to it. I guess Seavor can take snapshot or juke, um, or not not juke. Or you can take snapshot on Seavor, correct? So yeah, they, I mean you can just kind of compound that a little bit. Oh, so uh, just like um, Seavor's ability procs on snapshot also, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Should. And then Andrew, didn't I think we at uh, Nova we both played against a, uh, a player I forget his name. He played who's playing that scum control list with Sevor, Kashka Frost, and Forlom. Correct. Uh, and he had triple zero on Kashka and you know the usual things on Paylob like advanced sensors and elusive and such. And then he would be doling out stress or giving you the option to take stress or not with triple zero. And then that would give Kashka re-rolls. So trying to make, uh, make you make hard decisions there. 
and then Forlom on that medium base, just taking up space, uh, occupying the board. And then if you get past, and then if he gives you stress, you can't turn around. Whereas he can always he can always shed his stress, advance sensors for an action, and turn around. It's almost like you know, like scum lists are sometimes building this like, just like megatron control list you know <laughs> where it's like like it's it's not the individual control elements are annoying but not like game ending but then you combine them all together and it's yeah it's it, it can pretty much ruin your day if you if you land in that like control alpha strike if that's a term for x-wing yeah like if forlom if he gets behind you and he just gives you stress every single turn and you can't turn around if you're an arc locked ship you know, and you can't turn around and he's behind you and he just shoots you, stresses you every turn. It's kind of like in first edition when a stress hog gets behind you and you cannot like turn around at all and cannot escape it. Right. So like staying on the token jamming, because it's kind of the section that we're on, like Paylob and Old T fit in the same list together. So a lot of times what they were doing was, you know, they're, they're denying, they're definitely denying mods from the target that you're trying to destroy. If Old Terra can't get to range one, at least Paylob probably took a token. Um, but other times they might be actually splitting the the opponent's ships that they're removing tokens from. You know, Old Terak might be flanking to range one on a target while Paylob is taking an evade token from something else or whatever. Um, it's pretty powerful. Definitely. Um, so let's move on because we still got a lot to talk about. Uh, resistance we're not really going to touch base on because, you know, it's the transport pod. I, I don't think they have too many jamming mechanics outside of there. First order, we have Midnight, which we all remember from first edition that when she has you locked, you can't modify your dice no matter what when you're shooting against her or shooting at her or defending. Um, so, so um, I actually want to go back and look a little bit at resistance to see if there's anything in there. But but on Midnight, um, kind of similar feels to Fenral, right? The Rebel Fenral that discussion that we just had. Yep. Um, where, you know, when there's a lower ship count list and there's just a couple of aces or whatever, Midnight can be really impactful. Um, you know, but the, the, the problem with Midnight is it turns into sort of like death by a thousand cuts and it can take forever to, to, to put damage through. Um, however, fanatical and optics really make Midnight a, a true damage dealer. So, you know, like it's, it's, it's a solid platform. Like it's going to hit for two at a certain phase of the game. Uh, and, and and maybe by that phase in the game, you've reduced the ship count to the point where Midnight's actually going to matter. Uh, I don't know if that's a hint for how to use Rebel Fen Rao, right? Like, Rebel Fen Rao, I imagine, in like the mid and late game, is a bigger problem than the early game, if it's against a non-alpha strike, right? Midnight kind of is doing similar things, where like if I get the right two pieces to the end game, and one of them is Midnight... Um, it can be like these these control ships i guess become more powerful at different phases is that's all i'm trying to say sure um so then we got biohexacrypt codes for first order the text slide so everyone knows should know about tassin being able to uh lock you and then jamming that target lock off of you with his um with his ability absolutely massive this I've won me so many games against aces. So many. Because there's, there's always a turn where they're disengaging or running away. And you can really make them pay for it. Um, 
it's for one point it's so good i we talked about it last episode this is the easiest way to apply a jam token that i'm aware of yeah um so let's get republic doesn't have too much right now also so but we do have a couple things we have is a Danae Elberger. Uh, basically, is the same thing as Midnight, but it has the requirement of if the speed of your reveal maneuver is the speed of the same as the enemy ship, uh, that ship's dice cannot be modified. So basically the same thing that we just talked about. The only thing is she's I3. So there's that. And also we have Padme. So I thought Padme was going to be pretty huge. I mean, it's kind of like the... Um, you can only spend... You can only modify one focus result we haven't really seen too much of her coming out um maybe it's a pro points thing maybe it just isn't that good and i was completely wrong and then we have i think my favorite thing for republic altogether is the chopper astromech c1 uh 10p that uh, when this card is erratic after you execute a maneuver, you must choose a ship at range 0 to 1, and it gains one jam token. Like We talked about this in the last episode a lot, so we're not going to get too deep into it, but I think that's a really fun mechanic for um, especially like lower initiative ships that can mess around and see everything before anything else moves. Yeah, I'm curious to see if that ends up on primarily high initiative ships or not. Um, yeah. On, on uh, Padme, the... Uh... There have been a couple of lists that have cropped up that are like, you know, kind of lower ship count versions of Republic Beef. Um, so I've seen some, seen people testing it, but we haven't seen too much of it at like in List Fortress, right? So I I don't know how much of that is just like there are these two, there are these two absurdly powerful archetypes in Sinker Swarm and Regen Jedi. So the people who would be using Padme are just kind of selecting between those two. Um. Yeah, there's got to be something there to experiment with Padme still. I don't want yeah. people to find it, but <laughs> it feels like it's still useful. Absolutely. Um, and then we'll just Scimitar um, in the Separatist, the title for the... Uh, what is the ship called? The Sith Infiltrator. <laughs> um, after you decloak, you, if you have a ship in your bullseye arc, you can jam it. Has anyone seen that happen in a game? Um I, I've only run infiltrators maybe like three times ever, uh, but like I would say probably like had that happen to them. <laughs> every like other game, like I would say like maybe it gets off, especially in, I mean obviously with higher ship counts, but uh, I mean yeah. it, it does happen. It's cool. Um, yeah, that title's that title's neat. Yeah. Um, so, did you find anything on? Uh... Republic, did you look at or not Republic? Uh, Resistance, yeah. Uh, just specific to Jam, I haven't really dug too far into it now. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think there's too much outside of the pods and the and the transport, right? Yeah. Um, just physically applying them. I, one thing to mention though is that I, you know, the the Resistance transport with Kova and Leia, and and the white reverse maneuvers is um, it's a hell of a jamming platform because you can kind of. Like, you know, an opponent's list is probably going to continue moving forward. So the fact that you can reverse and sort of keep in jam range potentially on a white reverse maneuver or infinite whites stops. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. Sure. And then uh, I don't know if the, is there a way to turn BB-8's jam to to white? Probably not, right? I. Yeah. So un unfortunately for BB-8, you'd have to like combo with Leia crew 
to do a white uh, it just wouldn't work right because you can you basically you can do a red barrel roller boost clear it and then jam i i haven't seen many people running bb8 outside of the chewy list but that's that's a pretty good uh kind of mobile platform if you have informant or sense or something else out there definitely um but but that's pretty much it all right uh let's move on to stress mechanics uh, so real quick with just the uh, generic, so you got debris clouds, which we talked about a lot recently with Jedi being able to have to, to make the decision to, if they want to actually go through it with like rocks, they can just kind of basically boost through it with debris clouds. They cannot. So that is one thing to definitely think about. And then we also have rigged cargo shoot, which is limited to the illicit slot, but I think it is also pretty huge. There's also that other, um, spare parts canister but that thing is so small you have to really kind of nail it to drop that thing on them i will um, say i will say that spare parts i <laughs> it's gotten me before yeah in games um well, mainly because if you think about the way that things block um or like the situations where you you end up in blocks a lot of times they're like two small bases facing each other yeah um so you can end up in spots where like it's relevant sure i but but rigged cargo is something that uh, I I don't know we typically see it as a way to proc trick shot, I <laughs> uh, but it feels like that's that's maybe a pretty good control piece in general right I mean, we talked about it in the past but right so it's massive since we have confirmation that rigged cargo does in fact give you the stress and all the effects if it is dropped on top of you um, I would be surprised if we don't see this popping up a little bit more in. Uh, control pieces like i've started to think about putting it on like robot builds and stuff like that just because like it's huge like getting that like stress off on something like jedi can really hurt them and like especially if you have something with lower initiative like it's not a bomb absolutely not but at the same time like if dropping those effects onto something prior to them revealing their dial could be huge if they have a you know a red maneuver turned in, they have to change it to the white two straight. Um, it could be you know you might need that last crit damage to go through or something like that. Like it, it's a pretty big um, area of denial almost too. So I, I'm pretty big on big on this one. Yeah. Um, one quick question on this because just kind of relating it to the meta a little bit. Um, debris clouds and rig cargo. How does it affect? like vulture swarms so when you have when you have like a seer swarm they can all if something dies they all just get calculates right right um but do, do debris affect you know their ability to use grappling struts at all so i think they have to be moving through them um so bah, 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 while you execute a maneuver so if you drop it on top of them they don't um get to open the struts they can't open it right away. Right. I mean, that's kind of what I'm asking. Is right, like, right, right. They have to execute a maneuver. I see. So, okay. yeah, if you drop it right on them, that, that would be pretty funny. But then <laughs> okay. you're also giving them another platform just to grab onto. So I don't and they know. can park on the debris, right? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't. Okay. So there's that. Uh, like I said, uh, raid cargo shoot I think is huge, especially because we're going to go down this list and there aren't too many uh, stress mechanics anymore. As opposed Thank to first God. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Rebels, I didn't really dig up too much. Uh, Sabine really kind of hits all the topics. She can give you, when a bomb explodes, she can give you a jam, a stress, a tractor, 
Um, as long as, you know, she hasn't spent it already. So Rebels, I think that's one of the main th- stress givers from them. Um, do we want to take a second to talk about Sabine, or is it pretty straightforward that, you know, you get a token and you get some bomb play? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm surprised that's the only thing that dishes out stress in the Rebel faction, right? Like, that was, like, kind of their thing. Um, we have to dig back through. Maybe it's the only one we found. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if, if you find something else, and uh, we're probably, someone's probably sitting on the other end of the speaker yeah. screaming. Um, all right, so, but yeah, that, like I said, that's the only thing I could really find on Rebels that especially came to mind. Uh, so we'll jump right into Empire, which is going to be pretty huge, I think, with uh, Death Troopers and Sloan. So Death Troopers at range 0 to 1, is it, that you do not remove um, stress tokens? It's Yeah, 0 to 1 yep. cannot remove stress tokens. So even if you do that green maneuver and you end up right next to a Lambda shuttle... You're not removing that stress token, and that's huge. And then with Sloan, just Sloan's huge. When you you know your opponent's destroying those ships and they get those two stress tokens, you're basically buffing that entire list. And we've talked about um, kind of both of these things at length before, so we don't have to go back into it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're they're it, it's interesting because a lot of the times you see them paired with aces lists and things like that. Um, well, like Sabine, as, a, as an example, the only time I've seen Sabine crew is in the the, the four K-Wing list, right? Um, or, or modified versions of that. In Empire, right? Like, that stress control is usually supporting the accomplishments of whatever ace you're trying to get to the end game. Um, and that there are some, like, kind of Sloan Swarm lists that are still out there and, and people should be prepared for. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's... it's uh, it's it's also got some pretty direct counterplay, which I think people miss. But overall, right? Like if you look at a Sloan game, it can feel like you have no options, but you typically do. Um, which is good, right? Like I think I I still don't agree that it was brought down in cost. I don't want to ever see it more popular than it it, it is. Um, but at least at least there's ways to deal with it. So one of the things that I was thinking about Sloan recently is she was real popular when. The game was released, and then I feel like there might have been like a little bit of a drop off when, let's say, Jedi came out that don't have to stress themselves with auto thrusters or anything like that. So it, they're not really stressing themselves at all, and maybe that has something to do with it. Partly, I, I think a big part of it is what I was just describing, though, which is that like there's actual counterplay that doesn't really relate to what you brought. Like, so of course, if if it's a two ship list versus like a Sloan Swarm. Or an Aces list versus a Sloan Swarm, it's still not super happy about that. Um, but even the Aces list can just sort of kind of spread their damage out to destroy things at the right time, kind of just try to to pick the correct thing in their list that'll absorb the stress or take down the Sloan carrier. Um, so I think part of what happened with Sloan is that it was like, you know, the the mo- passive mods we found more of them. <laughs> it's more than just Boba. Uh, but then also people sort of figured out how to fight it, and that that's pretty big for control pieces in general. Like I feel like once there's broadly understood counterplay to, to a control element, you see less of it. I'm maybe overassuming that, but sure. that you know, like it's it's just it, it's something that in the early game we all looked at it and were panicking about it, so we used it. Sure. 
Um, so let's move on to Scum. Uh, we talked a little bit about Forlom earlier with Jonathan. Like, I really think Forlom's a one of the best pieces in Scum. Um, he's tanky. You know, he basically gets a free uh, calculate token whenever he does perform a red maneuver. Um, and then he passes it off to people. So he's huge into that thing. Uh, Asajj, she can spend a force charge to... Um, give someone a stress or take strip a green token from that person. So she kind of has that little bit of a um, jam slash stress technique on her as self. So she's something that I, I know people have been playing Ketsu a lot uh, recently, but she's not something to sleep on. I know some people in the local have been looking at her in different ways. I'm not going to share too much because I, I know he'll be upset if I did. But I, I think... She's not something to scoff at at all. Like, Asajj, like, any kind of stress mechanic is something that's pretty good. So with Asajj, and sorry, I'm exhausted, so yeah. wanted to just jump back to Sloan for a second. I think a big part of the reason Sloan dropped off is the Whisper Crew thing that Brett corrected me on earlier. Um, that's a huge part of it, where, where Sloan was so much more powerful when it was just on, on Whisper. The question I have for you on Asajj how how much of Asajj's ship is just force charges that you're you're paying for that versus the control piece that she has? Um, like like I I don't have a lot of game time with Asajj, but is that is that something that you like? Is is her ability often being used? I don't. So I, don't know that it's... I th- here's the thing. So I think with hate going up in price, um, I think you start to lean more towards Maul with her. So you're getting that extra force charge there. So you're sitting at three force charges, and then you can also regenerate them. So that helps a lot, I think. Wow, so doubling down on it with with the Sage, you have an extra force charge. Yeah. So yeah, you, you got the extra force charge, and then you have mods, and then mm-hmm. you have a way to regen them. Uh, and so like, that, I mean, like, that can kind of like free you up to spend that charge to dish the stress. Is yes. what you're saying. Okay, it gets expensive, right? Right. So I can kind of understand why people just defer immediately to Ketsu. Right. Um. That 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 does kind of make sense. I wonder if you know if Scum ever gets another Force crew that's cheaper than that. Um, that's something to maybe look at. Definitely. Uh, and then we have Triple Zero, who's basically give me a Force token or give me or take a stress. Um, we've been seeing Triple Zero pop up throughout the entire game. He, he's here and there. Um, so, but yeah. The cool thing about Triple Zero, though, is I know some people it's like, oh, you always give them, you always take the stress. But I mean, at the same time, sometimes it doesn't even matter if you give them the that. I I love like, this card. It's like my favorite control piece. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, because it's like it's it's so annoying, but it's also like you can't be that annoyed at it. You know, it's kind of like it, let's play a game in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really, it's really, really solid. Like for the ship that's using it to just get the calculate, right? Like yep. no matter what, it's a benefit. Um, but it, like fighting against it, like you always have a hard time being really mad about it. You know, like it's a control piece where it's like I get to make the decision whether or not I take the stress. So it makes me feel like it's not control, even though it still is. It's one of those cards, right? Where it's like kind of like like tricking you into not realizing what's happening. Right. <laughs> So especially if you make the wrong decisions, you know, and it's pretty great. So with triple zero, he has the option to go into uh, empire uh, list that have Darth Vader attached. So every once in a while you see it pop up in the empire list, which is pretty awesome. 
um, super thematic. But yeah, I, I think Triple Zero is probably one of my favorite. I, I mean, aside from it being like you're giving your opponent the option to do, which I guess is fair for the amount of points he especially costs. But yeah. he, he definitely is one of the, the best pieces of, in um, control. And it's it's a weird mechanical thing that like maybe FFG should pay attention to, right? Like when control elements allow the opponent to have a say in it does that make them automatically bad probably (laughs) but like at minimum it makes them you know less feels bad man so there's something interesting in their design wise um so let's hop into resistance real quick the only thing that resistance really kind of pops up with stress that i saw was ferrosphere paint which i don't see anyone ever taking i i think it just 6-0 to trial did it yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was on. Um, I mean, let me take a quick look at this. Yeah, it was on that Ray Poe list I was describing earlier. Right, so I like this um, a lot. With really like the 2000 MOV, that that thing dropped. <laughs> That's crazy. So, but yeah, so it's after an enemy ship locks here. If you're not in the Bullseye arc, that ship gains one stress token. Like, and like I said, I, for six points, like I thought that was huge. Um, because you're never going to be in a Bullseye arc, especially when ships are trying to lock you at range three, I think. So, it's and it's not limited to like one. So like if you get like two or three locks on you in a turn, which I hope not. Which dishing out all that stress to the those ships could be like absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, so and it, but it's it's specifically after an enemy ship locks you, right? right? So I think what what makes that one a little hard is like not everything that shoots you is trying to target lock you, right? Right. Um, so it has a little bit of that uh, kind of cagey thing going on, right? Where it's good against the things that depend on target locks. Um, but I could see why, like, it, it, this is interesting because it's sort of like, like in Poe's case, um, he, he'd love to have cagey nearby, right? Just because he doesn't want ha- people target locking him. Um, it's it's a minor kind of... Like, it, like the, the stress control here is is... It matters for Poe quite a lot, right? Because if you think about like a one v one matchup for Poe against another Ace, uh, if it's against like a Jedi, he needs every every little thing he can get to win that game um, against Anakin, as an example. Um, so just just you know forcing them to do some blue maneuvers isn't the worst thing in the world. Well, so like one of the things I was it can't thinking... flip the script, I guess, is what I'm saying. So with let's say like um, the probe droids. They have like a real like wonky dial where it's like they need that turn to clear that stress or go straight. So it's kind of like you, you might be able to play on like them doing that turn and like completely like changing their arc and maybe even predict a little bit where they're going to be going for your next turn, you know? Because yeah, like if you shoot one and they're all stressed and then they can't do the TA-175. It's it's interesting because it's you know you could you could put this on here instead of because it's six points right so it's pretty rare that you know you, you have a list where you're just like hey, I'll I'll throw I'll throw this in here for an extra control piece, um, well, like just staying on Poe is the example right like you could take uh, you know you can take the 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 uh, what what's the thing that lets you break the locks and drop the debris, forgetting um, the name already, the... spare parts can yeah spare parts. So you could just take that, um, you know, as a way to break the lock, but then you don't, you don't necessarily have the stress control element to it, right? Unless you land it on it. Um, it's so a, it's a, a more reliable way to do it. 
it's a little like triple zero though, right? Where you have to opt into to getting stressed though. Like, yeah. You know, if you don't have the bullseye, you can just focus and have the same odds on that shot. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I've never been a big fan of it, but I, I guess I could see some value in certain places. So like, you know, in the ACE v. ACE kind of thing that we were describing, right? Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you, right? Like, would it be enough of a factor that you would want that instead of the bid? <laughs> um, I don't know. It worked for whoever was running that Ray list. Sure. Um, so I'm going to go into Separatist. Uh, I put Palp in the Separatist because they're probably the one that is using the stress mechanic on Palp. Where I feel like the Jedi are probably more likely to be using the coordinate. They're uh, both relevant, though. Sure. I mean, but but still, really We're powerful card. Right? Yeah. So Palp, uh, his the stress side says after you defend, if the attacker is at range zero to two, you may spend one force charge. If you do, the attacker gains one stress token. So this is kind of like old rebel captive. Yep. So you yeah you're basically taking a stress to take the shot. So uh, I think this is pretty huge. Um, it's a solid piece, especially on something that, like, I mean, you could load... Uh, we've seen it happen. We, we could You could load a Sith Infiltrator up with this and Grievous and just make it as hard as possible to kill. So, and what's cool with this one, right, is that, like, for you to dish out the stress, as the player using it, you have to make a sacrifice of some kind. Um... Like giving up that force charge is no small thing. Like we just talked about that with the Saj, right? I, uh, it's a powerful card, right? Because it's like you could bring it and not worry about dishing stress, and now you've got the extra mod. Yeah. Um, but it, is there any way in uh in the Republic faction to regenerate force charges kind of mid combat? Not that I can think of. Okay. Right. There, there's there's no. Yeah, which is why this is so much better on Separatists, where they can take hate, right? So then there's really not any consequence like you were talking about. Or on yeah. Republic, it's like, okay, I have this one force charge that I guess I'm going to spend now to give this one stress token. Um, right. Yeah, so it's much stronger on Separatists. So, yeah, especially because they hate interaction. I wonder, so I, I don't think there's any Jedi that lets you get that back, right? I wonder if we'll ever get something like that. Right, it's since probably on, the radar, we're on this topic of Jedi, like, how bad is stress mechanics to a, a you know a Jedi list? It, it's kind of the one weakness, really, <laughs> um, in my opinion. Like if if I see a separatist list that has help, I'm just not shooting that ship the entire game. Like that's my my target priority. I've already decided on that. I'm just ignoring it because my whole game plan is going to have to change if I take that stress. Um, so, but yeah, within reason, okay. though, right? Like, I mean, you still got a bunch of blue on your dial, right? Uh, you do, yeah. But I mean, the, the Jedi really live with the, that one hard. Yeah. At least in my opinion, the one hard, and then barrel rolling to to taste. Um, so when you're stuck with just the banks, it it does really really impact you. Sure. Um, which is why we talked about the debris, right? Yes, I hate um, debris. <laughs> but but I but like there are ships that hate stress more than Jedi. Is I guess all I'm saying. Because um, you still have the force charges to lean on, um, right? Yeah, you could do the one the hard and whatever, yeah. right? Like you could still just do the one hard stressed. You don't. It's fine, right? Like it, you don't necessarily want to, because then you're telling your opponent your dial options for two consecutive turns. But right, it, it's not going to like usually end the game for you if you have to do it. But obviously, mm -hmm. it, it's not ideal, right? Um, but like something like I, uh, you know, something like Soon Tears is. is 
seemingly affected by it, but then is he's got two blue turns and a four blue straight. So it's like ah, whatever stress. I, like I didn't want it, but I can I can manage it. You know. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's go into first order. This first one, I'm a little shocked. I don't see this more. Is Captain Phasma that at the during the end of the engagement phase each enemy ship at range zero to one that is not stress gains one stress token i've used this a lot um it's it's awesome yeah it's really really awesome and there's ways to fit it into first order lists that aren't immediately obvious um trade trade kylo for blackout (laughs) the duncan way (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't wouldn't necessarily recommend that one but yeah um that is one way to do it and it's just it's just really an effective card now the, the only unfortunate thing with it is like what we were just talking about with the jedi um i get you know I'm, I'm part of my reaction to what you said brett was that i've used phasma against a lot of different vari- variations on aces and they just they just it just forces them to disengage so the really yeah. good thing is it gives my upsilon an extra turn or two to turn around but they were going to disengage anyways to regen. Um, you know, or like a lot of times the other ace ship was going to maybe disengage for a more, you know, advantageous flank or something. Um, so it's a really powerful card. Don't get me wrong. It's it's awesome for five points. Um, and it, it, it's like a wildly effective control piece on that giant big base. Uh, but there are, there are ways where it's like, there are a lot of turns, I guess, where it triggers and it's like a non-factor. Um, resistance A-Wings are an example, right? Where It's just what I was thinking. That's the yeah. last time I played against it. I had my five A-Wings, and I was like, sure, okay, whatever, five straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five straight, five straight rear arc. Like, let's let's continue. Um, so, but but it, that's not to discourage people from using it, right? Like, it is, it, it changes a lot about how you use your list. Um, I like the card a lot. Uh, and just going on that topic, it, it pairs nice with Petty Officer Thanison that you can take the stress yourself to basically double that token if they are in range zero to one in the front arc. Right. So funnily enough, um, towards the end of Rebel Beef's reign over X-Wing, I started messing with kind of Phasma Petty Officer um, Upsilons. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's a mess, especially if you're turning that stuff into to tractor tokens. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, we'll touch base on Kylo because now that with Kylo showing you the dark side, everyone's first pick is obviously Panic Pilot. Yeah, they forget that you can still blind people and it matters. Um, so for any Kylo players out there, I've done that and it's won me games. But but yes, Panic Pilot um, is is like the first thing that people search for. Yeah. Uh, and two stress is a huge deal. Like, like Brett, what you were talking about with the Jedi, like Obi-Wan with two stress is a lot more upset about that. Oh, um, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, but, but, you know, it's just because it, it gives you such, like, it gives you so much information for the next couple of turns, and it denies those K turns, which is the best. Um, I guess. So this definitely has won, won me games as well. Like, people talk about how Kylo's ability is blank absolutely is not like even without hate you use it 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 matters do we think we could ever see a resurgence of kylo crew i don't know what point costs <laughs> i think i think they'd have to correctly cost kylo the ship and i don't believe them that they will, they will do so that. no 
All right. Uh, so we can jump into Ion now. Ion's not a big term because uh, it's topic just because it's literally just the cannons, the bombs that we will be getting, torpedoes and missiles, the turret cannon, Connernet, um, which is interesting. Connernet's uh, 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 way overpriced um, for only one charge. Um, but so the only real ship that kind of interacts with Ion tokens is Dace Bonearm and the Hawk, which when you get <laughs> one Ion token, you can spend, I think it's like three charges or something on it. I don't even feel like looking up the card. And you give them three Ion tokens. Um, so cool, you just ionized the big base ship. So I, it might be just because I'm like absurdly tired, but Ion bombs exist? What is that? They are in the, what's it called, packs. Oh. The, yeah, the, the, I'm sorry, the devices pack. Yes. Whatever it is. And, so, and just on ions real quick, I, I think they're the, the best evidence of what Chris was saying at the beginning, that FFG has really tried to tone down control because turning that ion maneuver into a blue maneuver made them so much less oppressive than when you were just stressed an ion for the rest of the game until you want to. Yep. Yeah, they can still end games, right? But it's... it's um, oh, definitely, yeah. That That's slightly, slightly more um, palatable, right? Here's, and you... And you get a focus now, still. <laughs> yeah, which was note on that though is you can't do and like I mean like so back in first edition, sure you could boost, um, or or do something else. Like you could barrel roll, try to barrel roll away from the edge of the border, a barrel roll or something like that. Now you can just take a focus token. So, um, droids hurt. You know they can't take any uh, calculate tokens, anything like that. Um, and the need for multiple tokens for it to work, though, on on big bases, that that helped as well. Yeah, right? um, I think that's I think that's good. But that like people shouldn't misinterpret this to mean that ion turret or ion cannon aren't effective mechanics. Like, like I've seen I've seen you do some things with the scum aggressors that are are still pretty much like, all right, dude, give me your dial. It's a one straight. Yeah, especially because with IG-88B, it's kind of just like, if you want to eye on something and you don't succeed the first time, you have another shot. Exactly. Um, so, it, it's pretty cool. Like, I don't think we're at the state of the game, and they probably did a very good job at this, um, is that you're not ion walking people off the board anymore. Like, that... Yeah, or like, if you do, they... they, they like, something happened, right? Right. Or you did something really effective. Um, but, but like, I don't have enough reps with aggressors to say that definitively. But I, from what I've seen from your games, it's not it's not nearly what it was. Right. Um, the one of, I think the biggest thing about Ion right now is when you ionize something, you have to capitalize on it. Like, just going over with the, uh, the Jedi, like, they can still spend that Force Charge to Booster Barrel because that is uh, before the Perform Action step. Wait, so that, really? Yes. No way. So you're telling me Jedi can't be ioned fully? Correct. Weird. They, yeah, they can do that. They're cool. Oh, uh, yeah. So they can still do that. But, I mean, you know, you doing a one forward is, you know, puts you in a very, like, I know, like, one of, I don't know, four <laughs> places that you're going to be. So it's pretty huge. Um, I still um, like Yeah, it. I, didn't, I didn't realize that. That's, so is there anything else that just circumvents the ion mechanic because of timing? Um, I not, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. Um, okay. I do want to get into it. So we have Y wings and aggressors are, are probably one of the best uh, ion carriers, especially with because of the turret and better turn gutter can kind of push through 
there's extra shots. One of the things that's kind of popped up and I really kind of took a look at after Nova after Nova was Cavill with the Ion turret. Like you natively in think of Dorsal turret with Cavill. But if you put the Ion turret on him, the chances of you ionizing things are a lot greater just getting that extra dice in there. So he might be one of the, the best Ion carriers in the game for that purpose. Like, you know, a lot of times you'll see if you get five dice with the ion cannon like you're probably ionizing something um that even has like three green dice and mod it like yeah. as long as you have that focus token you should be doing something good there it's tough like I, I see a lot of people um using it and then you know they get frustrated when it it doesn't do enough damage yeah. to actually give out the token um so like all that it did was maybe the sh like the shield damage or whatever um I guess Cavill maybe doesn't have that problem, but like it's 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 weird on Cavill, right? Because after you ionize something, you feel like it, you want to switch it out for a dorsal turret, you know? Like like all right, I ionize you. Just give me two seconds. I'm gonna put dorsal <laughs> turret on him now, because you get what I'm saying, right? right? So it's it's almost like Cavill would benefit from like another ship with ion out there. Um, I don't know if he fits into aggressor lists or not. Well, so like during some of like my testings with this was. I was like, ah, oh, do I even need to put Veteran Turret Gunner on him? And the answer is yes, though. You still do it because that is your damage there. Is that, like, now that you can ionize them, you're now getting your damage through that, like, little planks of the Veteran Turret Gunner of taking that primary shot. Um, and then you're going to know where they're at so you can accurately set your dial and do whatever actions you need to do to try to keep ion ionizing um, it. So whatever you're shooting at. We've come a long way from the Han Gunner days, haven't we? <laughs> or maybe we haven't. We've just come full circle. But whatever. Um, what about Dace Ion? Dace can't take any Ion token <laughs> mechanics. He can probably take the Ion bomb when it comes out, but that's it. Okay. So, so it's so kind of like if you want to take Dace, <laughs> yeah, you have to take something else that can ionize. So it's kind of like, eh, why are you even bringing them? Okay. Um, um, weird. So let's power through. Uh, we got tractor mechanics. It's going to be a real hot topic on everything for the next, you know, four months. Um, real quick, we'll talk about generics. Tractor beaming, obviously. Um, same thing with ion cannons and intimidation. Regardless of what you think, that thing's a tractor beam. And, you know, if you're bumping that ship, you were rolling one less agility. So that is a good one. And it's so good with sense. It's, yep. uh, it's really easy. Um, so real quick, uh, the only things I found in the scum faction, well, I shouldn't say, but I, I didn't find anything in Rebels, and I didn't really find anything uh, in Republic. But for scum, we have Joy Rekoff, who you can spend a charge on a torpedo. So you're probably taking Ion Torpedo, because it is the only thing that has two charges, and performing that primary attack and spending the charge to reduce their agility. I haven't really seen it done yet because I, yeah. you know. <laughs> this is an example, right, of, like, maybe the other end of the spectrum on trying to make control have a condition. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, I, this seems like, it's almost like the card text is telling you not to use this card, right? Right. Like, it's that, it's that they went that far with it. So you have to buy another upgrade just to start using this. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, like, I was intrigued when I first saw it, and then kind of when I saw the points, I was just like, yeah, no thank you. Um, so but it still we, fits. It still it still does something interesting at minimum, right? Yeah. Um, 
but it's a lot of points for for being wedge. And I four. People are just gonna be like anything that has three agility is just gonna be like peace. I'm not even gonna see you. Um, so that's Joey Rekoff. Then we have Ketsu, who's been a huge subject for the past you know couple months. Uh, so you should know what she does. Ketsu Crew, unironically, she it's okay, but I think like Ketsu Crew just. If Ketsu Crew was the same as Death Troopers that you couldn't remove tractor tokens, it would be huge with the like how to play against the Nantex with Ensnare. But Ketsu Crew says that it's the, at the end of the round you can't remove um, charge or tractor tokens. So it's not that great unless you're, you know, specifically trying to IR tractor beam a large ship. So have we seen um, I guess you could combine that with like Uncar Plot or something, right? Yeah, because uh, like if you put that and on car on uh, lots Razi, the YV, does all that fit? Like, can you can you basically take lots Razi with Ketsu? Get it starts to get kind of expensive, doesn't it? Right. Um, take a quick look at that. Yeah, so that's sixty six points. On car plot lots Razi with uh, with Ketsu. It's um... interesting. That'd be kind of. I mean, that's that's serious, isn't it? Probably good. It could work. I mean, How does that work? Though, remove the tractor token. Can we get a new one the next turn? So when you the thing about not removing the tractor token is the next time you put a tractor token on it, you're not moving them. Oh, all right, all right. So that if that makes it even less logical then, because right. you want to move them. So I mean, if if it was the first time each round, but it's the first time you or it's the, when you get a tractor token. Um, so like a, a small base ship, if it got a second tractor token, it wouldn't you wouldn't move it. So maybe if you like bump locked them though, you were gonna move. You're not gonna move them anyways. Now it's like guaranteeing zero agility. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or like I said, if you're trying to you know tractor beam large base ships for some reason, that's where mm-hmm. I think Ketsu really. It's like, okay, why need three on here? Which I can only really dish one out per turn. So remind me of, of tractor rules because, um, again... All right, so tractor rules is as soon as you get one tractor token, um, you are now rolling one less agility. If you're a small base ship, you are tractored when you have one medium, you are tractored at two, and large base, you are tractored at three. So real quick, the... Um, Getting into Sun Fax ability, if you're shooting a large base ship, you do not get that bonus die because they are not tractored until they have three tokens on them. Um, so if everyone's head is exploded for that, congratulations. <laughs> um, so, but can you? You can't. Is there any restriction on like how much agility you can reduce? No, it's you always can only go down one. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So and that, you don't that, get to move them, and they're not considered tractored until you have um, the corresponding amount of tokens. Right. Okay. So uh, it feels like everyone's going to have tractor rules memorized in about like a month. Yes. So, yeah, like I said, it's a real hot topic. You should probably brush up on your tractor rules because, you know, I know there's going to be people that don't know how they work and yep. try to bend the rules. So I wonder you know. I wonder how many tournament games will have people rolling zero agility. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's funny because even at Nova, a couple times I had people were like, started dishing out cards. I was like, no, you still get to roll. You get to roll. You do, just because you have two tractor tokens on there. 
Yeah, you know. and it's also like a weird game state though that would lead to, like it would come up, but if you primarily run like higher agility stuff, you might never have been in a situation where multiple tractors was even possible. Yeah. Right? But we're in that world now, right? Yes. Um, yeah, so just going, uh, and a way to get in that world is with quad jumpers. Everyone loved that when uh, first edi- or second edition first came out, and the quad oh, jumpers... FFG saw that right away. They they squashed some bugs, yeah. man. That was that, um, that didn't take them long. So, I mean, I think they're still maybe have a space in Scum, even though we really haven't seen them. It's still a ton of fun to fly them. If you see a quad jumper out there, uh, you should probably just shoot it and kill it as soon as you can. Yeah, because um, it has to be at range one to do its action ability. Um, and you it's know, a little weird now, right? Because you, you actually have to pay for them. Yes. Um, still tough and it's kind of like you always wanted to bring two and it's kind of like two is just too much now these days if i see a quad jumper it's it's actually got a prox mine hidden in it and it's gonna it's like it's gonna drop that on me yeah <laughs> it's that one that's, that's the only quad jumper i've seen since the nerves yeah so let's uh let's move on to empire so with seventh sister when a, a ship at range zero to one gets a is it zero to one um gets a stress token and it's uh, sorry let me pull this up uh yeah zero to one would get a stress token you can spend a force charge to have it gain a jam or tractor token i think that's pretty huge because uh, i mean anything with auto thrusters that might want to try to like close in at range one or arc dodge you can basically they get the stress token after they do the ability so you can then tractor them back into an arc or something along those lines and they, they might not realize what's happening or you can even just try to track them out of, you know, pushing them out of their arc. It's possible. Um, I I think this kind of pairs nicely with Rack a lot of times. Um, because you kind of want to dish as much damage as you can at range 1. So that might give him a little bit more defensive bonus. And it's pretty cheap for a, a force token at 9 points. Yeah. What is... I, I feel like Empire gets a lot of force cheap force users. It's so that all their ships have force. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, uh, I think I've seen people experimenting with Seven Sister. I, I not for very long. They usually move on to something else. Um, but it it's useful. Yeah. I uh, hey, just a quick thing before we move on. The uh, you had under Scum the Foreman approach. Oh yeah, Did I'm sorry. About that? Foreman is in the Mighty Kill Die. Uh, he can basically if he has something in his Bullseye Arc. I'm going off my memory. He can choose not to shoot by getting a weapons disable token to assign a tractor token. So I don't know how good that could be. Let me just double check the wording on him. Um, yeah, so he's at I4. Maybe if you have something at lower agility, and it has to be at range 1 to 2 as well. Um, I'm sorry, lower initiative. He might be okay, but... It's I a lot think- of... It's a lot of conditions there, isn't it? Yes, it's, exactly. Uh, bullseye at range one to two and gain a disarm, but it all seems useful. I don't know. And it's more expensive than Seabor. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, two, two points, points more. more. Yeah. I mean, he's sitting at I four, but I, I, if he was an I five, maybe I would see more play. Yeah. So, but like you could, it's before you engage, so like something could tractor it into your bullseye, and then you could give it a tractor. So maybe that fits in somewhere. I mean, but why um, are you giving him? something more tractor yeah, then, then it's already got one tractor <laughs> yeah and it's like at a weird initiative too right yeah 
I, I like I said, <laughs> if he was I five, I think I could see him having more play time. But some of these control mechanics matters. These control ships, they feel like like X-wing achievements. You know, like they're things you just put in a list like once to be like, "Yep, I made that work," and then then that's it. You move on. You know. Yeah. Um, and then let's finally wrap up tractoring with the separatists. So basically, you know, ensnare, know what it is with the Nantex. The Nantex are going to be tractoring themselves to do a boost and battle rolls and changing their arcs, and then they're going to be trying to tractor beam you. Um, I think the big thing here is counterplay is, you know, it's going to be hard to dodge some fact, but I, I think at the same time, you don't want to be range one of these things at all. So I've only run... Uh, Sunfac and the the vultures once now, and it's it's um yeah it's good stuff, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like it just it, talk about a logical list. It really just it, it makes sense to me. And it, the the problem though is it's it's it is a little bit overhyped potentially. Um, in that there there's I don't want to say overhyped. That's the wrong word. Um, there's a lot. There's some setup involved, right? I'll leave it at that. But it's it's not like you're not immediately getting tractored in all cases. And what's what's kind of cool is if you take the uh, the other uh, talent, the like, gravity deflection or whatever it is, uh, then the tractors also make you even stronger on defense. I mean, so they they really have some cool tractor toys coming out. Yeah, I think the the thing that I didn't really make sense of until I tried it was you know how much Sunfac is using that turret to to apply the tractor. Um, I don't yeah. know why in my head I just kind of had it at like oh this is a four dark ship but it's probably because I can't read. I, I uh, think so. When I saw in the Nantex with ensnare, like the first thing I thought of was let's see if we can fit as many vultures as we can, and it's basically kind of just like my um, tactical relay now is give all my droids wedge. <laughs> well, so so um, there's sort of like two variants on this that I've seen so far, right? Like you can run the Sunfac in six, or you can run the I four one and seven. Yeah, um, seen that crop up a little bit on uh, on Vassal. I, I yeah, definitely like it, it's it's a force. It's 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 making those vultures more effective, no question. Okay, so you're you're seeing Chertek the. Yeah, you perform a primary attack if the defender is struck to reroll two dice. Right. Yeah. Well, because like, and again, I don't have a ton of experience with this list, so I probably shouldn't be talking too much about it. But like, like separatists still have a ship count kind of threshold problem, sure. right? And so, like, like Sunfac and six is a good list, but it's still dealing with that problem of like, oh, I just lost two vultures, right? Yeah. And that that is like. You know, it's still something that it has to manage. Um, so I, I do wonder if uh, a higher ship count version of that will eventually pop up. Pop, yeah, exactly. I, but it's like Sunfac is this incredible end game piece too. So you kind of make some sacrifices Definitely. to get that. All right. So that was the big ones. We're going to talk about some other forms of control that we'll get into um well we should be able to just breeze through these real quick uh so one of the things you might not like think about is there's different suppression mechanics that basically are going to take away your dice of some way uh so a big one is captain rex you know he's got the suppressive fire condition he's making you roll one less attack die when you have that condition unless you're shooting him 
Um, Kestel, he's basically spending his focus to deny you of spending your focus, so <laughs> maybe he's the uh, Jedi killer. Who knows? We got Torkoal, who basically, literally, I, I don't, you know, you might not think of it as suppression, but he's putting you at zero, making sure that you're the last thing to shoot. So he's basically suppressing your attack dice until everything else on the board has shot. Um, Lumi, everyone should know what she does now. She's been a huge piece where she can spend a force to either turn a hit result down to a focus or even a crit down to a hit. Um, and then we have Seer with and Crackshot that basically is negating your uh, attack dice. Um, also, I forgot to add in here, Zuckus, Zuckus Crew who is making you re-roll your green attack dice, which I think pairs very nice with Snapshot, if, if you can somehow fit it in. Because then, you know, you can't modify your dice, but you can modify the green dice of your opponent. Um, so, if they, you know, you roll two hits with Snapshot, and then they roll two evades, you can be like, okay, Zuckus. And they have to re-roll one of their results. Um, which, I, like I said, I think these are some commonly, like, people don't realize that these are control pieces and they do work very well in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, and, and not to, not to go too much back to the start, but we talked about with obstacles, like that is a form of suppression as well. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't think about adding an agility as being a suppression mechanic, but it kind of is. Um, and you know, in a way, like as an ACE player, if you're using those obstacles to your advantage, you're, you're doing a lot to suppress the offensive output of a list. Um, Especially gas clouds are just like, hey, let me add a uh, F8 result. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is accurate. Um, Brett or Jonathan, do you have anything on any of this stuff? I, I had a bad experience with Magma this weekend, so I'm, I'm just bitter thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's a pretty thorough list. I don't have anything to add right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, next thing we'll talk about real quick is a uh, strain. Um, it's a pretty cool. It's a, it's one of the newest mechanics in the game. It is, I think, it is the newest mechanic of the game. Um, it's kind of goes hand in hand with suppression that you're basically rolling one less agility dice. Um, yeah, green dice. Um, we got Commander Cody for the Republic, and we have Treacherous for the separatist that i think is pretty cool um i don't think we've really kind of I, I we've seen commander cody pop up a little bit but not too much and i don't think we've seen treacherous happen so much i've been messing around with it on the nantex just to you know try to keep that thing alive a little bit more and because he can reposition and get in between ships which might be useful um but i, I think that's definitely something to look at in the near future i know zach was messing with it I can't tell if that's just because it's Commander Cody and his last name overlap, mm. but um, it's we'll see more of it from from Von Reg, right? At minimum, uh, just more like of the strain token being on the table, uh, and with precog, it's it's definitely relevant. It's just you're not dishing it out; you're like kind of taking it. Right. Um, so I, I the the thing with strain that isn't immediately obvious that I I, I find interesting is that it's like a it's a soft stress token, right? Um, and I like it's it's sort of this weird thing where you can kind of get in a trap of if you have the strain token, like overemphasizing the need to clear it. Um, so like on a three agility ship, you might just have made that ship an X wing for a turn. It's it's okay. 
um, depending on what the board state looks like, right? Uh, but I, that that's kind of my favorite thing with strain is the uh, is the fact that you need to do a blue to clear it. Yeah. It's less the agility thing. Um, as big as that can be, it's 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 just you know seemingly um, the the biggest impact in my mind is the is the dial information that it it gives you. Sure. Um, and then the last big topic I think we should talk about tonight is uh, bump masters. If you <laughs> basically just a recap of informant sense Snoke. Um, and Vi Moradai, I'm sorry, who's that guy? Uh, that was the <laughs> resistance thing that it's the it's the pod that uh, right. you can assign the condition. So, yeah, this is going back to what we were talking about the, in the beginning of um, basically knowing where your opponent's going to be and stuff like that. Like, you can set up, like, perfect blocks, and, like, it has so much effect that if you can set up these great blocks... You're it's taking... not just blocks too, right? Like you can set up all of the conditions for your control. Right, like absolutely. Everything we just talked about. Yeah, you can set up the, those things. Um, like just going into the blocks though, like you can basically get token denial by not letting them take actions. You can basically set up kill boxes. I mean, like blocks are cool, but if you don't set up a block and have any kind of like shots going into it, is it even sometimes worth it? Like, yeah. And I, I wonder how much uh, precog will impact the use of sense, because it's still like it's 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 funny, right? Because you look at like sense R two A six OB, that's still super useful. Um, like it's still an actually an effective ship in in a precog meta potentially. Yeah. Um, but it's it is this kind of like weird thing where sense becomes less less useful for the blocks as things are pre movement. Definitely. Um, good. To that list of uh, crew that you had there, I would add uh, Cassian and or crew. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you... Especially comboed with sense, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they both happen in the initial, or the um, system phase, right? They sure do. Um, the only thing I think Cassian... So system phase goes bottom up. But if you put them both on a ghost, then... Yeah, you can terrible do that. things happen. Um, so yeah, that, that's unless like... you're Zach and you're running Slave One, <laughs> Fire yeah, you're like, yeah. it's whatever, I don't care. <laughs> um, so then we should talk about. We're not going to talk about, but I'm just going to mention bombs and trajectory simulator. Huge area denial. They have uh, that mother of all bombs that came out that basically ionizes everything. Um, we've talked about this at length. Go check out our bomb episode if you want to hear more about this. Um, but yeah, it's just area denial and, you know, setting up different, like, no-fly zones. Uh, and then finally, the honorable mention of, I didn't really know where to put this, but Discord missiles. Those little buzz droids are a really fun piece of control because it's auto damage. Uh, you're basically requiring them to shake them off in some way that, you know, they either have to shoot them off or maybe set up some kind of... Uh, bump onto a rock or you know bump into a ship to kind of try to like in between them uh, i really like discord missiles and I, i'm a sad that i have not actually played with these more because they just look so fun to actually yeah you should you totally play them and they're cropping up a little bit in uh in vulture swarms and things like that um they're actually seeing competitive play in 
performed all right. One of the cool okay. things is is this happens at the start of the um, engagement phase. So if you can land this thing, and these things start zapping at range zero, like if you land it, it, it will start in that turn, and then you still get to shoot on top of it. So this is definitely something that I want to play around with. Nice. But, but keep in mind that the other way to get rid of it is just a barrel roll. Yes. Obviously. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, um, and so yeah. Jedi don't really care about them, but I think at the same time they they seem like so much fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, so so this was a lot that we that we went through, right? I, like I feel like we could probably have talked about like one or two of these sections even at length. Um, so hopefully we can return to some of this later. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like in the context of like specific lists and stuff like that. Uh, that's a lot more control than I thought there was in the game like seeing it all here i mean yeah just to recap like i really think uh, obviously scum is the faction if you want to try to like set up a archetype of control scum is definitely the way to go they have so many mechanics that can do it um but it, it's really like a cool aspect to the game i think that it's not just i want to mess around with something like if you're getting tired of just like the jousting and the you know arc dodging of certain things try this out like try to set up these different like lists that you can with some of these mechanics and and i guarantee you'll have a fun time yeah like these are these are mechanics that i think give people the feeling that they're being creative in the list building stage right and that matters like it's not um that's not trivial but they're also in their best form, they're they're they have conditions you have to meet to make it happen. So that can be satisfying as the player using it. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as like people will complain about the the play experience of some really good control mechanics, the ones that you have to work for to make it to make it happen, like that's they they actually can be fun. You know, to to ha- have as the centerpiece of your list. The thing I would caution people on though is that like. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier, the, the concept of like a control alpha strike. Like if you build any list that has a trick that it needs to win and that trick doesn't work, it won't win reliably, right? Um, so you have to be careful about like overbuilding to control mechanics, right? Um, you know, they can they can complement the list, but like if, if you need that one control thing to happen for the rest of your list to function, uh, you can get into trouble because all your opponent has to do is solve that. You're going to have a bad time. Exactly, yeah. And, like, that's not true. Like, there's some mechanics that your opponent maybe can't solve, right, if they haven't brought the right cards. But there are definitely a fair number of them from the list that we went through that aren't in that category, right? Yeah. So you can't lean too heavy on them, is what I'm saying. I mean, so, I, I like I said, I know one of the lists that went 6-0 and at Nova was the Ketsu, Paylob, and... Cavill list with Cavill with the Ion turret on there, and I really kind of like. I mean, Torkoal. Yeah, yeah, it was Torkoal. I'm sorry, not Paylob. Um, so it's Torkoal, Ketsu, and uh, Cavill with the Ion turret, and like, granted, all three of these pieces are, you know, have a sense of control on them. At the same time, they kind of also implement themselves into the game of they don't need these control pieces to actually succeed like they you know it definitely helps but i I think at the same time like they are dishing out damage um at at the same time and can win games that way yeah or just like you know they're they're building up to kind of a logical win condition or whatever right like they're 
they're they're all serving the control is there to help you right it's not it's not like the only thing that that will win you the game right Definitely. if you're if you're going into any game with the intention of like my win condition is to fly you off the board like <laughs> that's awesome go for it dude but that's not gonna work right like reliably it um, might happen to yeah. one ship like the entire tournament or something i would say right and then you take pictures and you like tell all your friends because it's hilarious go right? on to reddit and, and like... be like it's happening and then you know <laughs> exactly um and it, it, that probably happens more often than i'm giving it credit for but again you don't you don't build your list around yeah cool well so let's um close out this episode uh just a couple of announcements and next week on the or actually this saturday coming up on the 21st it's the hyperspace trial down in annapolis i believe it's is that highlander or was highlander this weekend Highlander was this weekend. Okay, so I don't have the name of the store. I'm sorry. I will post it in our show notes because I can't remember. Third Eye? Third Eye? Is that it? Okay. Regardless, it's next uh, Saturday down in Annapolis on the 21st. Um, They always do a great job down there. Um, So check that out. Uh, The Liberty Squadron Group Championship is happening on October 12th, the Saturday before Worlds. So if you are going to Worlds and you want to test out your list real quick before you get out there, check that out. The link is posted on the Liberty Squadron Facebook group, not the podcast page. So check that out there. Uh, Like I said, that will be happening at Top Deck Games. We'll have some cool prize support for you guys. So do that. Other than that, does anybody have any closing thoughts before we end it? Uh, yeah, just that it's hard to remember rules when you're tired. Oh, um, and I need to read the rule book more. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just like It's amazing how many layers to, to the control rules there are on their own, right? Like it's it, You could probably play a game and lose because you don't know it. Yeah. So uh, here's a little rule that I'm sure everyone is going to freak out about, but if you get snapshot in the activation phase and you have a tractor token on you, you don't have to roll one less agility dice. So I'm going to give that as homework for you guys and figure out why. So read that rule book. Um, all right, guys. Other than that, I think this is going to close out the episode. I want to thank everyone for listening and have a great night.